Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode. Today we talk to Dr. Martina Olbert, founder and CEO of Meaning.Global, which advises many of the world's most influential brands and organizations on how to create more meaning and align their businesses with humanity for a better shared future. Martina is known as the meaning expert and is recognized by Forbes as the global authority on brand meaning. There is so much to talk about here regarding brand value, sustainability, integrity, the change in relationship between consumers and brands, as well as the future of business, all of which Martina has thought-provoking visions about. As a leading authority on this subject, it was a privilege to have Martina on the podcast. It's a fascinating conversation that gave me plenty of new insights and things to think about. I hope it will do the same for you. Hello, Martina. Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. <laughs> Hi. Good to be here. Thank you. Really looking forward to our conversation today um, and learning a little bit more about you and what you do. So I suppose for our listeners, we should try and put some context around who you are and what you are. So what does Meaning Global do and what set you off on this journey to find meaning in business, Martina? Well, that is a long journey and a long story. So I, I'm going to, uh, for <laughs> for this ground, brand, I'm going to cut it into a more concise piece. Basically, uh, my background in academia is in media studies, which is a fancy term of sociology of media and sociology of communication, basically looking at how uh, media, communication, technology, brands, marketing, advertising influence how people uh, consume and reproduce meaning in culture. Uh, And to what extent actually uh, media and brands uh, create the, the sort of meaning for people to consume or to what extent actually people are those who create the meaning that media then reflect back to them. So I wanted to understand that relationship. And obviously with that sort of uh, more of a complex or highbrow background, I went into the marketplace and I realized that what I studied really doesn't meet uh, with the reality of what the marketplace it looks like and what it does. So I went through a whole array of roles in advertising, in PR and communication, I studied in journalism. I was at a brand strategy consultancy, management management consultancy, um, strategic innovation <laughs> consultancy. And in every single role that I had, I sort of got to the same exact point where I was like, right, so I'm in this um, chain of you know value creation 
uh, and I'm in this specific role doing this specific part of the value chain and I don't see what's happening before me and what is actually happening with the value that I create right afterwards so be it yeah. you know PR I get a uh, you know strategy but where is that actually coming from what is that why uh, how is that resonating with the brand values and why should I be creating this communication in the first place uh, then in market research you know this is great so we unearth the insights and the meaning but the, then in the end the communication looks nothing like what people actually <laughs> relate to so there are these fundamental holes in the process and after I encountered the same exact problem about for about the fifth or sixth time I was like right I actually what I want to do is to go back to my original idea to my original uh, background and figure out if I can come up with a new way of looking at brands and at marketing and at the marketplace from the perspective of meaning and human value because that is what people actually consume this is what how they relate to brands uh, what they identify with in the marketing uh, advertising and communication and what they actually want out of brands and i didn't really see that being a part of the the practice so that's what i did uh, i started meaning uh, meaning global about five years ago i focused on crafting the proposition to offer meaning as a strategic asset next to the focus on purpose which really is the dominant narrative the dominant idea in marketing advertising in brand building so that's what I started uh, with the idea that I want to infuse more meaning into brands. But then as I, as I was going through the work and consulting with clients and that the COVID pandemic happened, which completely uprooted how we relate to the world, to ourselves and to the brands and what we actually want out of, uh, what, uh, what we want out of the consumption, I realized that you know, injecting meaning back into brands is not really the answer. What I need to do is to understand the whole human layer around it and how humanity is changing, how our needs are changing and how our relationship with brands is changing as with, with the impact of the COVID pandemic. And yeah, I mean, so fascinating. And, and have you got any sort of, to, again, to bring it to life for our kind of listeners, some, some examples of where you think, you know, brands do reflect good meaning in their entire kind of, chain and, and in their delivery of their brand to the marketplace. I think a good example would be uh, Patagonia. I, I <laughs> yeah. overstate that example every single time I talk about meaning, but it, it's a brand that was organically built from the vision of the founder. And uh, he created Patagonia really as an extension of his own hobbies and his own environmental interests. So that the, the values that Patagonia was built on as a brand are directly reflecting his vision, his, his core values. And therefore the communication and everything that the brand does is, is seen as very authentic. And also it's, its main purpose isn't to generate profit, but to be a sustainable brand that actually creates a better and and more sustainable way to create the product have less waste and it's it's much more environmentally and sustainably minded so this in in this way you can see that the integrity of the brand is intact and this is where the meaning comes from because and and it's actually quite and it's actually quite difficult to find a lot of other examples of brands that have this core integrity intact and that's why the meaning isn't there 
oftentimes. But a lot of business talk about having purpose and you've used the two words purpose and meaning in slightly different contexts during the course of that kind of intro, which was great. So how do you how do you define that difference between a business having core purpose and a business having real meaning? I think that the easiest way to get out of this conundrum, <laughs> and I actually wrote a whole article <laughs> about purpose versus meaning, you know, which way into the future should we go? Do, do we follow the road of corporate purpose or should we actually follow the road of human meaning? Because those two roads actually okay. lead us to a completely different outcome and a completely different paradigm of looking at brands and at business. So the, the easiest way to distinguish the two is that purpose serves the business as a sort of navigation tool, as an internal guidance system to say, right, we have these kind of values and this is one, what we want to achieve in the world. Now, if there are people out there who identify with the same values and the same mindset, right, uh, these are the people that we want to communicate to. And then the meaning is the actual outcome, the deliverable that you impart in people's lives. And that's why there's this fundamental disconnect with purpose and the actual human value that you're delivering to your customers. Because you can very easily say, we are doing this and be all about the great talk, but not really walk the walk, right? Not really actually deliver mm -hmm. on the vision and on the purpose that you're saying that you're doing, but you're not really doing it. So there is this lack of accountability. That's the first point. And the second point is I can very easily buy into your beliefs and values as a brand and say, you know, that purpose resonates. But in the end of the day, I don't really care about the brand's purpose. What I care about is how they're delivering meaningful value into my life. What do I get out of it? Right. I'm not going to buy a product just because you have a fancy purpose. That sounds like something that I could identify with. I need to understand how do you deliver value to me? And if that meaningful value isn't there, then you can have the best purpose in the world, but it's not going to be, it's, it's not going to make any difference in my life. Right. And that's where the meaning comes to play. And there is so much, I suppose, yeah, that I can correlate and relate to that. And I can understand that. I suppose that is, isn't it? A lot of purpose that organizations portray to have or can be sometimes just marketing mm. speak that don't create with the reality of what happens as a consumer mm -hmm. on the ground. And that's, yeah, that's that. So and talking about that and leading into that, you recently published a new paper entitled Reimagining Consumerism uh, as a Force for Good. Uh, tell us how that paper came about and what does it contain within it? Sure. So again, just uh, briefly, I was asked by Jana Eckhart, who is the uh, head of marketing program at the King's College London and also on the board of editors of the American Journal of Consumer Research uh, to give her some provocative idea, like a little bit different perspective on uh, a new topic of the, the upcoming issue, which was on the future of consumer collectives. And so we had a short chat and she was like, I really want you to look at this topic of consumer collectives and, and think about where are consumer collectives headed. And I was like, I really have a, like a fundamental problem with that idea because I don't think that they're headed anywhere. Well, if they're headed somewhere, it's to the end of looking at people as consumers 
So maybe we shouldn't really be thinking about consumer collectives as a plural, as a way of segmenting people down into neatly defined boxes, which is exactly the problem with marketing. Maybe we should unpack this idea and think about A, fundamentally coming back to our own humanity, especially in light of COVID with everybody just connecting back to what does it actually mean for me to be happy mm -hmm. and authentic and you know fulfilled in my own life. So coming back to our essential needs. So that's the one angle, not consumers, but humans. And then also, I don't really think that there's a plural of collectives. You know, I think that they, where we are going, we are increasingly coming towards one collective, the human collective. So I, I don't really think that, you know, looking at consumer collectives makes any, any, any sense. And she was like, Great. So write about that. <laughs> so, <laughs> There's your challenge. So, so I'm, I'm completely just basically revamping the entire idea of the journal. But OK, so write about that. So I did. And then that that paper was only about 10 pages long. And I realized that there is much more to the story. Mm. And this actually gives me the outlet that I've been looking for for a very long time to get the whole story out there. So then I sat down and published my own version of the paper with uh, pictures and <laughs> charts and proposing new models and looking at brands in the, in the context of culture. And, um, and that a paper is available uh, for download on my website for free. And it has about, I don't know, 45 or 50 pages. And what's the website if people want to go and download the paper? The website is the same as the name of the company's meaning.global. I wanted to keep it as short and sweet as possible so it's Brilliant. easy to Fantastic. remember listeners go download the paper um but <laughs> i suppose that's a big thing that's a big shift that you're reimagining there isn't it that shift from you know that traditional you know marketing kind of way of approaching you know us as humans is to put us in a pot <laughs> and and that collective and and going from that and saying well actually no we are we are one um that's gonna that's a quite a paradigm shift in the way in which the world and we are seen, seen as consumers, isn't it? No, absolutely. It is a huge paradigm shift. And we have been in this paradigm of consumerism for the last hundred years. Yeah. So every time I talk about this topic, it just takes a little bit of unpacking and, you know, rewinding back to actually understand that what we live in is not completely natural. It's, it's a man-made construct. It's artificially made it wasn't like that you know 200 years ago 300 mm -hmm. years ago it's just we happen to be at a point of time where we see this as a, as normal but it's not normal right it's not normal to to look at people as consumers who are here to consume products and you know fulfill their lives and their time with consuming more products and then have so much stuff in their house that, that there's no room for actual relationships or life or what we want to do, like we like gathering stuff. We're not, we're not supposed to do that, right? So brands need to create an entirely different relationship with people that, uh, that is actually reflective of what do we need, not mm -hmm. fueling you know, artificial desires to consume more, but actually thinking about, right, how can I create a product or a brand that helps people do and achieve in the world what they want to do? How can I elevate 
human well-being through my product? How can I be a force for change in the world and actually offset some of the consequences of the late capitalism through my product and solve, I don't know, climate crisis, solve deforestation, solve carbon emissions, solve the fact that we are having less water resources. Like, mm. you can do that just by rethinking and reimagining how you create the product, how you think about your business and what it's supposed to do and what kind of value it creates and for whom, right? Mm. And this is, so it's like a fundamental rethinking of the whole philosophy of, of consumerism and of business. And I think it's inevitable, really. Uh, I'm not the only thinker who is, <laughs> who is thinking and writing about this. There are other people who are writing books about this and speaking about these topics. So it, we are in the midst of a great change. Yeah. And I suppose when you're in the midst of a great change, then, you know, it takes a very bold business, brave business to stop thinking in the traditional way, doesn't it? And stop thinking in the way that has worked for the, the last hundred years and has developed. Or, and, or, and an, or an, sure, or a new business. Yeah. That's that's actually far, far easier to yeah. solve this problem from and that's what that's where you are sitting right for yeah. at the at the uh, side of startups and and, and new um, entrepreneurs um, it's actually far far easier to solve this by creating completely new businesses that look at human needs from an entirely different point of view rather than trying to change the corporations right they will have to <laughs> catch up uh, eventually anyway otherwise they're not going to be in business really uh, so there, <laughs> there, it's not like it's a choice, but it's definitely much, much easier to look at this from the perspective of starting new businesses and innovation and uh, change the culture of business from that perspective, rather than waiting for big corporations that have been around for, for 100 or 150 years uh, to, to look up to them to, okay, so when do you make the change? And once you make the change now, now it's official. It, it, it's not going to happen that way. The, the market is always disrupted by the new players, not the other way around. Brilliant. And that, that is so true, isn't it? It's the entrepreneurs out there. It's the founders out there that want to go and do something different and create something different that create these businesses that do make change happen. And I suppose history does uh, show us that. And history also shows, doesn't it, that there will be some Goliaths, some really successful, what perceived as successful corporations right now that won't change. And when they don't change, we lose some of those Goliaths in that process and there is huge businesses out there that you know we all perhaps grew up with that don't exist today did they because they didn't move with the times sure and so therefore did you in terms of your you know the consulting that you do and the organizations you work with are they typically those startup smaller entities or does it range from from those kind of businesses through to some of the larger corporates you know who's it who typically will engage with you uh <laughs> <laughs> I think it really falls across the entire spectrum. Yeah. So that's the beauty of meaning because it's, 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 uh, <laughs> it's not there. <laughs> uh, then by definition, you know, a lot of people from various types of businesses, various sizes of businesses and various business functions are interested in what I'm talking about and in my point of view. So th that's why it's very diverse what I'm doing. So I can be one way I can be talking to a CMO at a large brand. Another day I can be talking to, let's say, head of innovation or, or research at a luxury brand house 
who want to really understand what is going on and how is the world being redefined and therefore what that means for their future, how should they plan their communication and product development and how to be relevant. The next day I can be talking, just like I was um, this week, I was talking to two founder businesses, both based in the US. One is in the uh, food industry and one is in the fashion slash athleisure industry. Uh, and both want to disrupt the way that that industry operates from different points of view, both sustainable, both um, environmental, ethical. So that really is the beauty of what I do, that I can add value, can add different value to different businesses at different times. It's a bit hard to really nail that down into that neat box that I was talking about. What is it that you do? I create meaning. I, mm-hmm. I help people create more meaning in the marketplace and it can look in, in many different ways. So that's why, that's why I like what I do. Brilliant. Fantastic. And we, you've alluded to it and you talked about it. I just, you know, do you, uh, in terms of the pandemic and that shift in, you know, us as humans, you clearly fundamentally believe that the pandemic has served to accelerate change. Why Absolutely. do you think that was? Why do I think that? The, pa- the pandemic has changed our perception of what we want as humans. Oh, oh, that. The change was already ongoing even before the pandemic. We saw that people are increasingly unhappy with this rat race and their this like meaningless approach towards life where we are pretty much an autopilot, you know, just like completely uh, switched off in life, just going to work, commuting, sitting in traffic. I mean, it's unbearable. It's so meaningless that if we were to constantly question what we're doing, like like our lives would literally be unbearable. So we didn't. But now everybody being locked inside their apartment mm. and having to actually, well, well, first not being able to move. So not being able to escape their own lives, right? And the hollowness of, <laughs> of yeah. the life, uh, if you will, not being able to consume because we couldn't go outside. Suddenly, the only way, if you cannot go outside and if you really ha- cannot even plan ahead, uh, the only way to go is to move inward. Mm. And that's what people did. So that's, that's why they started to question, what do I actually need to be happy? What, what are my needs? What are, <laughs> what are the needs that I've never been really thinking about because I either didn't have a time or I didn't need to? And what do I want out of my life, right? Like questioning these absolutely fundamental existential ideas about where are we going? And we'd never really had time to do that and the ability to do that and the ability to reimagine our lives the way that we wanted to live them. And that's one. And the second thing, to be able to do that on a collective level, right? Because everybody uh, was in the same situation. So that's why um, the, the COVID pandemic has really served as a precedent for us collectively being able to move into a completely different mental space and we've now gone through this shift in consciousness and suddenly we don't want to go back, right? Because there is no meaning there <laughs> yeah. in, in the way that we were doing things. So we are forced to reimagine businesses, to reimagine consumerism, to reimagine our relationship to the world outside as well as to ourselves. 
and this poses a, a gigantic opportunity actually it's not a threat as much as a gigantic opportunity for brands to think about how can i create much more value for people different types of value just that go far beyond a transactional relationship of me seeing something on a shelf and then buying it and going home and consuming that product how can i create things that help people express who they are create much more authentic relationships create platforms that connect people with themselves because because we've seen that belonging and meaningful connections are really what we craved the most mm, during the that, pandemic because we couldn't that connect defines us as humans that defines us as humans yeah. and that's it we are coming back to this humanity layer that we've lost because we were told that we were consumers but we're not consumers as somebody in it and you just watching you you know our listeners can hear you i can see you as well that passion that you have for this subject <laughs> do you perhaps get concerned and frustrated that we have this window of opportunity to bring more meaning into brands and that but actually eventually if we don't move quick enough that that traditional consumerism will all go back to our own traits and forget and and that change won't happen at the speed that perhaps you would be passionate about it happening. Sure. Um, well, that's why I'm talking about this. That's why I'm going to podcasts <laughs> and publishing about this. And I just started publishing a newsletter to to talk about many different topics, you know, and sustainability and diversity and innovation and, you know, reimagining consumerism and what are the new elements of business. So I want to put all of these topics out there so that people start contextualizing things. Because right now we see business as this, you know, like a, like a system of boxes <laughs> where one thing doesn't communicate with the other when really to create much more meaning, we need to look at business holistically, right? As an ecosystem of cultural value. Yeah. And then when we start doing that, change can happen. Right, so it's all mental. It's about the mindset and the, the the sort of the philosophy with which we look at the world. Yeah, do do I fear that if change doesn't happen fast enough, we will go back? I don't think that we will. Well, we <laughs> we probably will have to go back if there is no other alternative that will appear that will emerge. Right, uh, but will we be just as you know? enthusiastic about it the way that we were before no because the the reverse glasses are off right like we see that that is no longer what we want mm -hmm. so uh, either we have this opportunity now to create much more humanistic way of looking at business and much more exciting and authentic new things which should be actually what brands want to do right they're in the business of connecting with people so that is this opportunity. If if they don't jump on it, it will happen eventually. It will just be much slower and more painful. And generational? I mean, do you think there is a difference? You know, there's a lot talked about, you know, Gen Y, Gen Z, all of those kind of things. Do you think there is a real movement towards seeking more meaning in the younger generations or are you seeing it across generations now? I see it across generations because it's really innate for human beings to crave meaning. That's what we really are. We are like meaning-seeking machines. Uh, but I think that the older generation is 
is sort of waking up to the fact that they lost it somewhere along the way and now it's being opened up again so they're they're starting to voice these ideas for the younger generation i think that they see it absolutely as something normal and fundamental that that they don't understand why it's not there like mm -hmm. why why are businesses not catering to my needs you know why they're they're much more they're definitely much bolder about voicing those ideas and they're actually the generation who is already creating much more social businesses where where people are at the core you know and, and it's just that it's a completely different way of looking at the world so there there is this like like a cognitive divide really between the younger uh, and the older generation but do i think if it it is uh, somehow you know, restricted to age? No, it's just that the younger generation is, is much more bolder in in really demanding it as their as their birthright. Yeah, I, su I suppose, Sean, reflecting on what you've said in response to the last couple of questions, I suppose if you think about it, the pandemic and the world and the situations that we've have arisen in recent years has probably gained that alignment, isn't it? The younger generations have it and want it and want more meaning, perhaps as older generations didn't quite realise the importance of it to themselves until mm. recent events and then therefore that's created better kind of alignment and therefore there isn't such a generational divide as you say i suppose you know we've got business leaders business owners listening to this running you know the sme businesses what do you think they can do as business owners right now to create more meaning and human value within their brand Hmm. Yeah, there there are a couple. There are definitely a couple of things. The easiest, uh, by the way, would be to just book a session with me. And <laughs> I can tell them. Um, obviously, I do. I do offer brain meaning assessment actually as as an introductory um, business session. So that that would probably be the easiest thing. And I'm not not just saying to like to sell my services here uh, or like a like a promotional thing, but it's kind of hard to identify. Because a lot of people actually, th th that's the thing. The hardest thing about what I do is that most people don't know that they don't have meaning, right? That it's not like somebody would come and say, I know I don't have meaning in my brand. Martina, please tell me what to do. Like the thing is, they think that they have it. They think that they have meaningful communication. It's just that at the end of the day it translates into right like our customers are actually not responding that enthusiastically to our communication anymore or our our revenue isn't really growing as fast as we thought or as it was previously so it it will the the, the loss of meaning will translate into like clear hard business problems it's just that you wouldn't necessarily think that that is the the culprit of it but that's usually what it starts. So it's kind of hard to identify that you don't have it. The easiest way to, would be to look at, are the brand values actually aligned with the culture and with the human values? So that's what the brand stands for actually resonate in the larger context of the world right now with where you know people are headed, with where the culture is evolving and with the essential needs of the customers that you're catering to is there a disconnect or is it aligned if it's aligned the brand is going to be much more meaningful by default if there is a disconnect you're losing meaning and in terms of the product again is that some kind of a commodity that you are uh, that you are just um 
I don't know, positioning as a more premium brand and the um, the whole bulk of the value is really in the branding and packaging and marketing advertising or does it actually deliver some kind of fundamental meaningful difference to people's lives where you can say that you know you providing meaning to people if it's a commodity chances are you know there's not that much meaning there so we could also reimagine the kind of products that you that you are creating the kind of services that you create saying it, it's basically that's what I love about it it's like a living animal right it's very creative business itself it's a creative discipline right it's all about creating value and what is creating value it's, it's a human creativity so it, it's, it's innately creative discipline it's just that we've been conditioned to see business in terms of an MBA degree or accounting or you know it's a very like a cold hard fact-driven thing when really it's about value creativity human potential needs and just juxtaposing things with culture and just being very playful so martina i get everything you're saying but there's a lot of businesses out there that are there to create profit aren't they to create shareholder return shareholder reward how does having meaning uh, correlate with being commercial in business well that's where it's at because that's what people that's what people consume in your brand, in your product, it's what it means to them. So it's not like you either have meaningful or socially responsible or you generate profit. It, th those two things correlate precisely in the way that the more meaning you have, the more profit you can generate because the more you're relevant to your consumer audiences. So it's not like you have to compromise. That That's the thing, like it's not, it, <laughs> Yes, meaning is the, the human value that people relate to, but it doesn't mean that somehow that's, you know, all social sustainable and about climate change. Like those two things, sure, like doing good in the world creates more meaning for the business and the brand, but it's not like you would have to ultimately think about cutting down profits just focus on things that are good for people and create far more value in their lives and that's how you become much more profitable by default you, you are you're not sacrificing your profits for meaning meaning is exactly the tool and the core asset that grows your profits it's just that you will be doing things that are far more meaningful so it's a win-win because you're creating less waste and also are thinking and being mindful and, and conscious of the consequences that you're creating further down the line with your business. So it, it is really a win-win. You create more profits, you deliver more meaning to people, and you're also being mindful in terms of the sustainability element and the consequences that you create for the future. Fantastic, brilliant, great answer. And it's great you know, to see that correlation between the two, I, I suppose, and, and our listeners will well, I'm sure relate to that. So as we kind of wrap up our conversation, I always end with one single question, which is, what does success mean to you, Martina? <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, I think that has changed a lot throughout the last, how many, 15 or 20 years of that I've been, that I've been in business. Um, right now, honestly, it's being able to do what I want to do and and finding the balance that feeds my passions 
where I can create value for other people, but also then create the kind of value that I want for myself to live a really fulfilled and happy life. I think that ultimately is <laughs> that must be a success for anybody. Uh, but it definitely is a trajectory of trial and error to be able to get here. Brilliant. Thank you. Martina, thank you for being a great guest on the podcast. If people want to learn, we did a little plug partway through our conversation, but if people do want to learn more about you and connect with you, where can they go? Well, uh, first of all, go to my website, meaning.global. You will find everything that you need there, all modes of communication, or you can also look me up on LinkedIn. Happy to connect there and um, set up a conversation if, if that's what you want to do. Brilliant. Thank you for your time today. I've really enjoyed our in conversation. <laughs> I really enjoyed it too. Thank you for asking me to come. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.